Hi and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to planetary purpose. My name is Julian Guderlei, and today's episode is part of the Rehuman series. I'm here with Rodrigo Cunha, who's my co-host for the day, and we are sitting here with Dwayne Elgin, who is an internationally recognized author, educator, speaker, and part of the Great Transition Project. And so, Rodrigo, I'll let you do a little bit more of an introduction because the two of you just met in San Francisco. Great. Uh, thank you, Julian, and thank you for having me in this uh, beautiful podcast here and having the honor of uh, interviewing Duane Elgin today. And Duane has been uh, a friend since we first met in New York for the first Rehumans Gathering. And we, we were introduced to, to him by his beautiful work called The Great Transition Project. Duane has been on the field for decades now, you know, talking about environmentalism, simplicity, and how he's putting together this vision of how can we thrive in the next decades, considering all the possible uh, challenges we're gonna have ahead, you know, due to climate crisis and everything. And I was uh, wondering, and I always wanted to make that question, didn't, uh, we never had the time properly, Dwayne, and, but why did you start this thing? It's just such a big endeavor. Why do you want to envision how we're going to, you know, thrive in the next decades? And you were envisioning that until to 2100, which is like 100 years away. Why is that? <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Why am I doing this? <clears throat> I started uh, looking at the decade of the 2020s Back in 1978, 42 years ago, I was seeing the trends that are developing right now and seeing that we are going to hit an evolutionary wall, not an ecological wall where we run into the physical limits to growth, but an evolutionary wall where we run into ourselves. And we ask ourselves, who are we? What are we doing here? Where are we going? And it was very clear to me, as well as a number of others, that decade by decade, we were going to converge on these times. And so uh, here we are at this fateful decade of the 2020s, when we are beginning to recognize we're hitting an evolutionary wall where we're confronting ourselves. And with that confrontation, we're going to have to make powerful choices about where we go from here. Uh, not only material choices, but even more foundationally, spiritual and psychological choices. So um, that's what has brought me here this far. And uh, my background has been in doing futures research. So um, it's very natural that I would be looking ahead uh, to the next half century, essentially, and to say, okay, here we are, where are we going from here? That's a very curious. That's a very curious project, Dwayne. Thanks. Thanks for getting start, starting to give a little bit of context in, in how we can relate to the future. You know, I literally feel like I got guided to start this podcast, asking the question like, "What's your Earth vision for the next two hundred years?" To people like this, what is your 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 not just hope and not just aspiration, but your connection to those next seven generations? Yeah. Um, do you mind sharing a little bit of how how that process worked for you? Of like connecting with this deeper state of vision and, and how you're able to kind of go back and forth into the future and future states, but then also coming back into the present moment and, and 
connecting with life as it actually is. Yes. Well, um, having looked at some of your uh, podcasts, Julian, um, a number of people I've spoken about, uh, we have been so separate as a species from the earth, from one another, from the deeper universe, and where we're moving uh, is towards communion, towards connection. And so my vision of the deep future is that we are moving from uh, the view of a dead universe that we're apart from to a living universe that we are a part of. And so we're moving most foundationally from deadness to aliveness. And that in turn changes how we regard who we are. And we're not simply biological beings in a dead universe. We are biocosmic beings in a living universe. So uh, we first evolve our understanding of where we are. Then we understand more foundationally who we are. And then we can look at our evolutionary journey and we can simply say, well, we are learning to live in a living universe. That's the journey ahead. We are biocosmic beings learning to live in a living universe. And that shifts the entire journey. It shifts the sense of identity and it is founded on a new understanding of reality. I love that a lot, biocosmic beings. Yeah, it changes everything, right? The moment we put ourselves into an alive um, scenario of, of this planet, um, when we recognize uh, the planetary kind of position in the cosmos, it's a, it's a much larger perspective on, on life. And so um, maybe let me ask you about trust right away, because I feel like to connect with this larger version of life, um, so, something needs to, needs to be there that kind of holds us in connection or in that trust. And so I want to understand from you, like, what is required for you to experience trust and, and, and how does that build in, in life? Well, uh, for me, trust is grounded in uh, a sense of the aliveness of the universe and the universe with great patience has been holding us for billions of years, waiting us for to blossom, to awaken in these times and recognize who we truly are. So um, I, I, I just feel profound trust in the evolutionary wisdom and patience of the universe to take us uh, to this place of awakening. And then in due time, whether we choose, we can choose whenever or not. But one choice is to, yes, okay, let's awaken into aliveness as opposed to compete with one another in deadness. And so I trust the universe as a living system wants us to awaken into the larger aliveness that we're a part of. And so deep in that is, is trust. That's beautiful. It's a very powerful context we're setting here through the, you know, the great transition and like the emerging future that we're kind of heading into and, and how a cosmic kind of confidence. And like, I believe that the, the origin of the word confidence would be con meaning with right and then fidence from faith or fidelity which which is like a form of faith in this cosmic principle as you just said yes so so that form of trust can then like let us let us kind of walk confidently forward so in that context and bringing it back to this this wonderful event series that um rodrigo has co-initiated rehumans like 
What do you see right now at the turn of this decade? It's 2020, we're a few steps into the, the golden decade it, it, it might turn into. What is most needed and required for people today? So what can people that are listening connect to and, and integrate into their, their own practice, their own life, their own creations? Well, uh, to me, uh, it's building on what we said, that uh, it's choosing aliveness. It's recognizing we're living in a living universe. And this is ancient knowledge. The indigenous cultures of the world have known this uh, all along. But we're recovering this knowledge from the frontiers of modern science. And science is beginning to see that, yes, it is a living system of which we are a part. And if we will simply begin to move into the larger aliveness and have confidence in that, have trust in that, uh, it's transformative. And people may say, well, that's fantasy that, that people will see the world that way. And uh, on the other hand, if you do the research, no, it's not fantasy because, for example, in the United States, there's survey after survey that shows about half of the American public on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, has the intuitions of aliveness, a sense of communion, a sense of connection with a larger world of which they feel then an inseparable part. And in feeling that they're a part of that larger aliveness, they feel at home. And so we have been alienated by our materialism. We've separated from one another, separated from the universe, separated from the creatures, the plants, the animals, and so on. It's time to come home. And in coming home to a living universe, it changes the whole agenda of the entire journey. And instead of saying, well, let's consume more stuff, it's let's build and grow more aliveness. And that shifts the, the entire journey, but it's grounded in a confidence in a trust that, that the universe is alive and wants us to flourish in that larger aliveness. Beautiful. Can I, can I add something on this and uh, Dwayne? I know that uh, you have almost 30 pages of footnotes on your next version of the report you're writing, right? So you, you kind of uh, have the deep dive on science. And, and you mentioned spirituality in the beginning, in the first uh, answer you did. So what is the, the role that spirituality plays in this next level that we have achieved in order to fulfill ourselves as cosmic beings, as you know, matching that aliveness that you have been mentioning? Yes. What well, is the inter interplay between spirituality and science? Yes. Um... Well, in, in being truthful, giving full disclosure here, um, more than 30 years ago, almost half a century ago, uh, I had the opportunity to spend three years in a scientific laboratory at a major think tank in the United States. And I was involved in the earliest research done in, in what's called remote viewing. It's seeing at a distance uh, through our intuitive faculties. And in addition to seeing at a distance, I had the opportunity to explore psychokinesis and touching at a distance. Now, that immediately begins the bridge between the physical, so to speak, and then the intuitive, the spiritual dimensions of life, and they're one and the same. 
And so I like to speak about aliveness rather than spirituality. Uh, spirituality, in a sense, is a concept. Aliveness is something we have, we are right now. And if we will ground ourselves in, our, in the naked aliveness that we have, what we are doing is touching into a unified universe. Quantum theory says it's a unified whole. And if we simply rest in the nature of who we already are, we are resting in the wholeness of a living system. So um, to me, that is the journey to release our sense of limitation, materialization, and open to the larger aliveness that we truly are. And in that, it's a spiritual journey as well. I am fascinated by the way you introduced <laughs> the topic of aliveness into, into both spirituality and also like coming back into the presence. Because I, I feel like aliveness is what every single human being wants to connect with and wants more of in their life. No matter That's if right. they're the, the, the CEO of a hundred million dollar complex or if they are a child to whom this like, you know, uh, aliveness comes quite naturally usually. Yeah. Very... It's a very real word, word to, to make some of those taboo topics or further out topics like spirituality or religion, right? Which have always tried to connect us to this, but, but have maybe just played a role in the past and fail, fail to, to fuller create this, um, this union, this, this union to what you said, like quantum physics called um, the one whole, right? The universe, the one song. Leibniz is a very great yeah. descriptor. If I may add something, um, I had the great privilege of co-authoring a book with Joseph Campbell, who is one of the world's uh, foremost scholars of not only indigenous traditions, but also the, the great body of knowledge that we have. He was asked one time, uh, what are people looking for? Uh, isn't it a sense of meaning in life? And he said, no. What people are, are looking for is the direct experience of being alive. That's what they're looking for, is the direct experience of aliveness. And um, the, uh, the, uh, the philosopher and uh, eco-psychologist uh, Howard Thurman once said, don't ask what the universe wants, ask what brings you alive, because what the universe wants is for you to come fully alive. And when you come fully alive, what you're going to be doing is serving the larger aliveness of which you are an integral part. So this, uh, the notion of aliveness really cuts right to the very core of who we are and what we're doing here and how we can be of service to a larger evolutionary uh, dynamic. Wow, this is so powerful. Uh, can, you, can you please, Talk a little bit more about how can we fulfill this role of being of service of something larger? Well, uh, first of all, we can, we can honor ourselves. Instead of looking out, we can look within. We can say, well, who am I? Uh, apart from all of the social um, overlay that's put upon me, if I just look within myself, who am I and what brings me alive? And in that spirit, we can say, well, what are my true gifts? 
what are the unique things that I'm uniquely uh, suited to that I can, my greatest talents, my greatest skills, and I love doing. It isn't something that uh, the near gift that I am probably earning a living doing, but the true gift that uh, brings me alive day in and day out, whether it's music or relationships, uh, being with plants and animals and nature and on and on. What is it that brings me alive? And then what is my true gift in that experience of aliveness? So that's the first thing uh, that we can do. It's utterly simple and yet incredibly challenging in today's world. As deepening and widening the inside journey and understanding that, you know, the, the journey starts from the inside out. I, I have a very specific question there in, in regards to just the society we, we have built over the last 150 years, right? It, it's like the great transition, as you're calling it, from, um, let's just simplify, from deadness to aliveness in yes. that sense. That great transition, I think, is, is undoubtedly underway. It's, for some people, it's reality every day. For some people, it's something they're just waking up to. For some people, it might still be foreign, but they, they feel and know at the depth of their existence what they truly want is aliveness. I think this is, this is somewhat clear. What is, I think what is really unclear to people is how they can unwind the mechanisms of this current global society in their daily life. Because connecting daily through meditation or prayer or mantra or singing um, I think is obviously, as you said, it's it's the first big step. But then sometimes what we learn in there doesn't connect with the world we we still walk through, right? So, so for me, I had to create a podcast and I had, I started creating um, coaching programs, and so I made it work for me in the like quote unquote regular world. But for someone who is in a nine to five job who's listening, um, how do you see this unwinding and and transition? Um, from like the more classic approach of society that is still very alive around us? Right. I don't have an easy answer for that, Julian. Um, I really don't. Um, I had to drop out of uh, the work that I was doing at this think tank um, with the social structures that were around that, with the income that was going with that, with the recognition that went along with uh, being a, a successful um, researcher and uh, working with the president's science advisor and so on. I had to drop it, uh, just let it go. That was extremely difficult. Um, and so in, in no way do I want to diminish how challenging this is. Um, so, First of all, recognizing how difficult. Secondly, recognizing how close the universe is in walking us into uh, the aliveness. I'll go out for a walk and I'll say, you know, I'm really kind of depressed here. Uh, uh, how can I come alive? And I'll say to the universe, okay, well, surprise me. Surprise me, you know, bring it. And I'll walk maybe 10 feet and I'll see a flower, I'll see a tree, I'll see an, an, an animal. And, and ah, I'm astonished, I'm alive, wait, uh, that's really remarkable. And so what's required is for us to be open, to receive it, welcome it, engage it, um, trust it, uh, have confidence in it, like you were saying, Julian. Um, and then trust our own intuitions in terms of where our true gifts 
true gifts may take us. Not the dear gifts that we're probably earning a living doing, but the true gifts. And being willing to risk and to um, invest in, in those gifts. So um, I don't have an easy answer for that. This is really, really hard. And that's what's being asked of us individually and collectively. And it's also being asked of us in a world that's unraveling. Uh, and it's unraveling because it won't hold. The future will not hold together with the kind of uh, social and economic structures that we have created. And so it's unraveling. And so it's, it's a doubly difficult descent into an unraveling world and the confusion, the chaos of trying to find our way into a new life and a new way of being in that world. Yeah, truly powerful. I, I feel you there. And I think it's, it's no coincidence that on the cosmic timeline where we're at times of, we call it climate change or, or, or great pollution, right? It's part of this reflection of how much our socioeconomical systems won't hold up for a higher state of harmony. And so we have to actually wake up, grow up, show up, and then clean up the mistakes we do. And then again, wake up, grow up, show up. And, and so like, this is my experience personally as well. It's, it's not easy. It's, it's simple, but it's not easy, right? That's right. The, um, a good example that you mentioned, grow up. Um, I've been asking people for over 30 years, I'll go out and give a talk and I'll, I'll ask people before I say anything, uh, before I, I talk at all, let me ask a question. What is the life stage in your estimation of the human family? And I'll give people three choices that were toddlers, teenagers, adults, or elders, that's four choices. Toddlers, teenagers, adults, or elders. I give people a minute or two to talk among themselves. I said, let's take a vote. Uh, sometimes I'll ask people not simply to raise their hands, but to stand up, take a stand for your point of view uh, of the life stage of the human family. And invariably around the world, uh, three quarters of the audience will either raise their hands or stand up and say, we are in our adolescent stage as a human family. And it doesn't matter whether it's um, uh, business leaders in Brazil, spiritual leaders in Japan, uh, students in Europe and the United States, church leaders, it doesn't matter. We all have the same intuition that we're in our adolescence as a human family. And then uh, I'll ask people, well, what made the difference in your life for growing up? And again and again, things will come back like, well, a brush with death. It surprised me. A brush with death. We saw death up close in one way or another, and we realized our mortality. And in our, that realization, there's a sense of preciousness of what we're doing here, not taking it for granted. Other people say, well, I took a hard look in the mirror, uh, and I saw what I was doing with my life. Or another person might say, well, uh, I was just thrust into a situation where I had to take responsibility for what was happening, uh, perhaps taking care of uh, family members and so on. And I didn't want to do that, but I was just thrust into that. And I'll say, well, look, how many of you are really wanting to take care of a planet in descent? It's unraveling. You weren't asking for that. It was just thrust upon you. And so uh, by looking into our personal lives, we can see, well, what helped us 
to mature, to grow up, to move from our adolescence to adulthood. And in seeing that, we see the, the lessons of our own lives have direct relevance to the life of the species, to the life of the earth. And we can then begin moving into our early adulthood and being of great service to uh, our time of evolution. That's beautiful, Dan. Thank you for that. I was just uh, wondering right now, you've been mentioning that about us being adolescents, you know, and we see the human tribe right now so enraged with each other, you know, this polarization and everything. In, you, in your uh, work, you, you talk about this communion, this uh, earth voice that one day we'll have. So what what is the the path until reaching that point. Because right now, if we look at what's happening in the moment, uh, sometimes we feel that it's not possible to have one voice to, to have a point where we reach the, the dialogue moment where we, we're gonna be as mature that we, we're gonna be accepting others' uh, points of views. How does that gonna play out in your opinion? Yeah. Oh. Well, um... Earth voice, earth voice. The earth needs a voice, simple as that. Uh, and that's reaching far. Uh, on the other hand, here we are. <clears throat> we all, is, roughly 60% to 70% of the people on this planet have one of these. Right now, a majority of the people on this planet, if we wanted, we could be in conversation with one another. We could be taking votes, a, a, a vote. Do, do, are you concerned about climate change? Yes or no? Well, yes. Uh, would you like strong and fair climate action now? Well, yes, I would. Um, and so on. What, what could happen right now? It doesn't have to happen decades from now. Right now, we could have a voice for the earth if we had the social will to mobilize it. And if we step back and look at the human evolution, it was our ability to communicate that got us here to the verge of a planetary civilization. And in my view, it's going to be our ability to communicate that will take us beyond the threshold and into a full global civilization. But that's a big undertaking. But the point is we already have the tools that we need. We have television, we have the internet, we have these technologies and so on. Uh, so we have the endowment of technologies to serve us moving into a communicating future where we come to some degree of mutual understanding, mutual recognition, mutual support, uh, and mutual uh, sense of a promising future in aliveness, not so much in a materialistic sense, but in a human spiritual sense of the deeper aliveness of a living system. And so uh, to me, here we are, this is such an extraordinary time. And this podcast is a beautiful example of that. Uh, we are connecting in different parts of the world right now, demonstrating our ability to use these tools of communication. And often the, uh, the cell phone and the mobile phone and such, it goes, it goes very deep, but it doesn't go very broad. On the other hand, television goes very broad, but it doesn't go very deep, it's fairly shallow. Now, what would happen if we take the technology television that goes very broad and the, the mobile 
uh, internet technologies that go very deep, put them together, what do you have? You have a revolution. You have a revolution. And it's just sitting there waiting to be used not to sell us more stuff, to buy more things, to be more distracted. It's rather there to be used to grow up uh, and to move into our early adult adulthood as a communicating species. So that's the potential that's already right here. We're using, we're just surrounded by it, but we need to have the consciousness and the social will to use it. The consciousness and or the social will. I like those two streams because, you know, the consciousness right now, uh, when you haven't done a lot of your internal work or when you're not doing it every day, because um, I know from my experience, things show up every day as real life is alive, right? So the consciousness right now seems to be, well, someone else, please fix it. Well, someone else, right. please step in and be the big leader to change that. Well, someone else... Uh, you, the big company, you are actually responsible for the ecological devastation. It's not me because I don't even have choices. And while it's true that as an individual, my choices are somewhat limited. So if I want to travel from San Francisco to Brazil, I have to take an airplane most likely. And that's not as great of my carbon footprint. But the power in the first place is, I think, you know, much more with the people than, than, we, than we formerly believed to bring this kind of social change into action. Because otherwise we'd have to wait for an extraordinary league of billionaires to create this kind of technology swap. And maybe that's, that wants to happen, but I'm not entirely sure. Can you give us some examples of where you've seen throughout your life where extraordinary examples of people power were actually alive or, or, or being used to, to bring in change? Are there some, some memories that are sparked? Well, um, I'd like to go back to uh, the idea of a voice for the earth, earth voice. Oh, yeah. and, um, and building upon what you were, said, you were saying, uh, Julian, um, if we see ourselves as adolescents, we're used to having mom and dad take care of things. Mom and dad in our world is the big corporations, the big uh, businesses, the uh, big educational institutions, the big government and so on. And we're just turning it over to mom and dad as these big institutions. And what I am saying is, no, we got to take it back to ourselves. And so if you're growing up, you're not turning to mom and dad to take care of things. You're saying, no, thanks, mom and dad. I will do it myself. And at that point, you then take charge of the tools that you have that will bring us together as adults in a, in a world that's unraveling, in a world that's challenged. Now, in uh, 1978, decades ago, um, I was involved in creating uh, an electronic town meeting in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, an electronic town meeting, and that is where we use our electronics to come together as if we were a small town. And we put uh, a, a program on the air on television. It was seen by over 300,000 people. And with telephones, not computers, with telephones, we had feedback from a scientific sample of citizens. And we had six votes during the course of an hour. And those 300,000 people with those six votes saw an entirely different way of looking at themselves, their empowerment, their view of, uh, in this case, it was looking at attitudes towards Russia. So um, 
any time that we want, <laughs> this is the frustration, this is decades ago, any time that we want now, uh, we have the tools, the technologies to uh, up-level immediately uh, our, our capacity to communicate uh, with aliveness and with enthusiasm as a, as a whole world uh, community. But we just have to mobilize the social imagination and the social will to begin that process and, um, and we're underway. That'd be a good example. When, when did you start the, the project of the great transition, right? right in this report? You had one vision of the humankind. What has changed after that? After so many years, after so many data that you collected, after so many things that you read, what has changed for you? Well, um, surprisingly, not a great deal in that um, in 1978, again, um, I took a half year for meditation and uh, by myself, uh, off in a little cottage. And the culmination of that half year was an awakening experience that got manifest in, in a book I wrote called uh, Awakening Earth. And that's a vision of the deep fast and past as well as moving into the deep future. And uh, that was a gift from the universe. Uh, it wasn't something I figured out, I thought of. It was rather I received. And um, that understanding of the evolutionary dynamic that we're a part of right now has been unfolding decade by decade. And so the Great Transition Project is really coming out of those decades of uh, anticipation. And as I mentioned, um, I've been writing since 1978 about the 2020s as a time when we're gonna hit an, an evolutionary wall. And so people along the way <laughs> were saying, look, aren't we doing hitting that wall now? And I'd say, no, no, you just wait. Wait till the 2020s and then you'll see what I'm talking about. And decade by decade, people have been impatient and, and I've been saying, no, no, wait. Well, here we are at the decade of the 2020s. And uh, indeed, we are visibly, measurably hitting an evolutionary wall. So the work that I'm doing right now on the Great Transition Project, uh, or whatever name we may, we may choose to give that, um, that's just an extension of decades of uh, anticipation uh, that I've been following uh, all along. So there's a long, deep history that's bringing me to this point, and I'm an older, uh, older person now, and I'm wanting to just give this away to you youngers and say, okay, you know, this is, now it's your turn. Uh, Rodrigo and Julian and so on, thank you for showing up as you are. Um, and so, uh, truly, it's, it's, I'm feeling a sense of um, uh, I'm appreciation that you both are here on this call, <laughs> receiving as you are what I'm saying, and uh, really appreciating as, appreciating as well the work that you're doing and, and taking this forward. So, thank you so much. I think this goes out to everyone who's tuned in and listening as well. Is um, we are the people we've been waiting for and our yeah. internal work matters, right? And our, our dedication to do that every day, yeah. uh, even in the midst of, of busy lives. So we can attune to, to those transition visions. We can attune to the voice of the earth. And 
um, received because I, I'm with you. This decade has the potential to be the golden decade of change, really, where we use technology for what actually makes sense rather than for what we're currently using it, it for. And I have a question for, for you in this context of this golden decade we're in, uh, since you, you know, you, you've been preparing and waiting for it for quite a while. Like if, if we were to create an education system that was to support us in being awake to the aliveness right now and awake to the possibilities, what would be some of the pillars or some of the, the, the ways this education system would support us? Well, um, big question. Yeah, we could uh, make a podcast about that alone. <laughs> I would say um, on, on one hand, it, it is the simplicity of trusting and awakening to our own aliveness and in doing that, the true gifts that we each uniquely bring to life. Um, so that's one aspect, and we could spend a long while speaking about that. Another aspect is to say, well, what kind of world is going to be emerging? If this world is un unraveling, what kind of world will emerge uh, to hold us uh, in the future? And to me, it's a, it's a world of uh, locality in many respects. It's, it's self-organizing systems at a local scale. And to me, that means local communities. And my wife and I had the privilege of living in a co-housing community, what I would also call an eco-village uh, for a few years. And we, we saw it's a different kind of economy. It's a different kind of life. And... Uh, each person in this, in this small village of about 100 people and 20-some kids uh, had often, let's say, three skill sets. Uh, they might be skilled at gardening. They might be skilled at elder care, at uh, health care, at cooking, uh, psychological work, at uh, a whole range of skill sets that will really serve people in, in a small community setting. And instead of having a highly specialized um, life, let's say I'm a, a corporate lawyer, instead of one special narrow um, occupation, it would be to broaden our sense of connection, contribution, work, skill sets, and say, well, I'm gonna develop three different skill sets and I will be a valued participant in any community in which might emerge in this unraveling time. So education, I think, is going to be transformed. Um, and, and, and looking into the uh, on-the-ground ways of living uh, a decade hence is a powerful way of looking then back to our lives right now to see, well, what do I need to be developing in order to meet that world that is fast becoming? Can I go there and live with you in your community? <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna come and live with you. Hey, this is, <laughs> yes. Sounds like there's many opportunities to, to, to live together. I think that's, that's part of what a lot of people are sensing in their dreaming is, is this like living in community, right? Like connecting, right. connecting deeply to earth, environment, other people, and then from there creating those skill sets. That's right. Wayne, thank you so much for your time, for plenty of insights. Um, Rodrigo, do you have any, any last questions, anything you want to yes, add? Yes, I do. Of course you do. I was just wondering, is this the right time for the last question? 
Okay, so here he goes. Jane, uh, do you trust humankind for this transition we have to do? Oh, do I trust humankind? Oh, absolutely I do. Um, yeah, absolutely I do. Uh, I wouldn't, look, I have invested decades of my life based upon that trust that we have the capacity and the maturity, if we will choose to go there, to do this. And um, yeah, this is the most exciting, interesting thing that you could be doing. And so absolutely, I trust, uh, for sure. No Oof, question. Thank you. Oof, yeah. yeah. No, totally goosebumps moment. Um, thank you for, for having invested those decades and, and also that this trust for such a long time, because I think this is part of the maturity process is to learn to trust into the cosmic principle instead of trying yeah. to predict certainty through human actions, right? Yeah. Oh, delicious. So, so much goodness out of this, this short hour we get to spend together. Thank you so much to both of you, Rodrigo and Dwayne. Thank you so much. Thank you, brothers. Thank you. I wish you well. Such a pleasure. Yeah. And that's that. Another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it. Very much so. And we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of inside evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, th guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more.
So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.